Hello and welcome to the Voices of Awareness podcast, where we're listening to the pioneers of authentic cultural change. In this first series, we're talking about abuse and the church. In a bit, we're going to be listening to Stephen Parsons, a retired vicar of the Anglican Church, author of Ungodly Fear, which he wrote in the 90s. Now Stephen is the host of survivingchurch.org. And to begin, I'm going to read from a recent article he wrote. When a church fails to care, facing institutional dishonesty. Christians are very good at pretending that the ideal is the reality they deal with most of the time. By doing this, they make themselves unable to see the more human realities in front of them. The fantasy perfect church and infallible leaders are what they pine after, and so they create that reality in their minds, even if it doesn't in fact exist. If we try to pretend that the church is normally in accord with God's will, we're in danger of giving bad behaviour a get-out-of-jail-free card, as we fail to look carefully at the motivation and behaviour of leaders. We're also sucked into believing that anyone with a position of authority is automatically to be trusted. The record of the Church of England leadership with its management of safeguarding events over the past 20 years is extremely patchy. Most church members would love to believe that their leaders always know what they're doing, but what we find in reality is that the guardians of church life are far more wrapped up in management issues and ensuring that the church institution survives. The myth of appropriate concern for survivors of abuse is often merely an idea inside the minds of bishops and others in authority. The reality is sometimes bullying behaviour, and this has been subcontracted to lawyers who are employed by the church leadership. If you take 20 survivors and say, what was your experience of the church when you told them about it? 20 of them will say it was poor or even bad or even re-abusing. You won't find anybody who says, oh, I went to the church. They, they understood exactly what I was talking about. They, took, they made all the right decisions, etc." So we've still got that problem. But I think the pressure on the church and indeed on its organisations trying to deal with this is huge. And it's certainly better than it was, but it's still yeah. not very good. There's so much abuse going on in rather more subtle ways in the Church of England and connected with grooming, sexual abuse. Um, and indeed, um, there's quite a lot of authoritarian preaching, which by, by Bible, so-called Bible churches in the Church yeah. of England, which needs to be queried and checked. The sense is within the the mainstream churches is that the people who have been quite successful in keeping things quiet are the people who have been promoted as leaders now. That's quite an interesting point, yeah. That I, I'm quite worried about promotion because sometimes the people who they are sometimes the people who have actually um, acted against the interests of truth and openness and and justice. And they've managed to keep the, the show on the road, the good managers, the good controllers. But they are not the abusers as such, but they are the, the people who managed to hide it away in within the system. And yeah. there are some bishops who really are, have a very, very poor record on, I'm not going to mention any names, but I, 
there are some very poor record on safeguarding issues and they never seem to get resolved because somehow nobody wants to tell a bishop off for a safeguarding failure. So then we got talking about the notorious case of John Smythe. John Smythe was a, um, uh, a lawyer. He was a QC and a lawyer. And he got in, involved with an organisation called um, Ewan Trust, which is a, um, a charity which sent boys from very good public schools to, to summer camps every, every summer. And he got involved with this, these camps. He was the chairman of the trust. And he decided that, that these, and of course, they, all these boys looked up to him. He was very, he had a very good um, social presence. You know, he spoke with the right accent and he knew all the right people and etc. Anyway, and all these boys were, came from very, very good families. And he decided that for, for his own gratification, he decided that, that they, these boys needed to be beaten, physically beaten, as to prove their discipleship, you know, suffering with Christ and all that. 20, 40, 60 beat, beatings with um, a, a rod. Anyway, this went on for two or three years, and eventually he was found out, and it was packed off by a group of well-connected evangelicals off to Africa. He went to Zimbabwe and then on to South Africa, and he did the same thing there. Stephen has spent half his life listening to survivors and has a deep understanding of the psychological conditions in which abuse occurs. Here he is talking about the vulnerability of certain children. A lot of the appeal of abusive clergy or, or ministers or pastors, whatever they are, and I'm talking about across the board, is the fact that many, many men particularly have had bad relationships with their fathers and a lot of these abusers groom them by offering them an experience of being parented again. You see, they're vulnerable to being reparented by an abusive minister. That's why they get sucked into this, um, sucked into these relationships. We went on to talk about boarding schools. These young young people, and particularly boys, we're talking about, were very vulnerable to to abuse because basically the schools, by definition, have brought them up in a different environment to a, two parents, mm. brothers and sisters, and so there's a whole there's a whole culture of abuse which is tied up with privilege in this country by the situation of being away from their parents. By being away from the situation, being away from their parents, exactly. Yeah. And that makes them vulnerable. And if someone comes along who offers them, apparently, the emotional deprivation, trying to answer that emotional deprivation, they they become sucked into a, rela- a relationship which may be abusive. Yeah. Not Obviously not always, but just but, but when, when, when it is abusive. They, they, they haven't got the defensive mechanisms to fight it off. Yeah. Another of those privileged, protected perpetrators was a man called Jonathan Fletcher. He's been accused of physical and emotional abuse. and But they all thought he was wonderful because he had such a powerful personality. Yeah. His name's Jonathan Fletcher. You may hear that name mentioned. I have heard that him. name. 
I've wrenched, I've written about him. Funnily enough, I wrote about him a lot on my blog. And it's one of the, the blogs that get read more than any because, because the evangelical hierarchy have so thoroughly wiped him clean off their records that my blog was the only source of information about him. Was, was he abusing up to 2016? Or was um, he... Well, <clears throat> let me put this. He was up to 2016. He was allowed to do. We don't know what he got up to, frankly. I don't know. But in 2016, people tweaked on to him and his permission to officiate was removed by, by the diocese. In other words, he was put officially into a non grata situation, but that didn't stop him getting out and about because he has such a following among so many people. You know, he, he, his father was a baronet, his father was a cabinet minister, went to the top public schools. He did everything right socially and and he had a tremendous what we call charismatic personality. So he could he could do no wrong. But he was a very very damaging person as far as we can tell. Yeah. <clears throat> so most charismatic personalities, or many charismatic personalities, whether you use that word religiously or politically, are likely to be what we suffer from MPD, narcissistic personality disorder. Yeah, you know, they are. Yeah. That, that's a big subject, but I, I have done quite a lot of reading about that. Um, they, they are needy people, and they 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 manipulate the people around them to feed them. Narcissistic feeding is a very common concept. What we're really talking about in all this stuff is power. Yes. Power is something we all need. Power is something that we can receive just by being a member of a church. I don't mean the, the wrong sort of power, but just the power of self-esteem. Mm. I mean, if, if the church stands for, as the hymn says, ransom restored, um, healed, forgiven. You know that, do you know that hymn? If it stands for those four things, and it stands for people being, as it were, lifted up in their what they feel about themselves, and that is that is about their own self, their own access to their own power. Yeah. To be forgiven is to be given power. To be healed is to be given power. To be restored is to be given power. And to be ransomed is a theological idea, but you know the idea that somebody has done something for you and that you can stand proud. In your identification with the sacrifice of the death of Christ, I'm not going to get deep down in that that one, but it's okay. it's what it's what the teaching is talking about. It's this idea that we benefit through something that's been done for us. That gives you power. But people don't understand. People don't see that. I mean, I'm putting it very. I hope I'm putting it clearly, but putting it in a very kind of stark. 
contrast. But ultimately, the whole thing is about being empowered and disempowered. Many people are being disempowered without actually realizing it. I would have thought that um, a lot of people are potentially being disempowered while thinking they're being empowered. Exactly. That's the point I'm making. They don't realize they are being disempowered because they think that their loyalty to the minister is boosting them up. But actually what he's doing is creating dependency. And particularly when people are have been had their critical functioning taken away from them. Well, let me tell you one thing for sure. No one on this podcast would be so blasphemous as to suggest that the churches in England and Wales suffer from narcissistic personality disorder. But just out of curiosity, you know, we could just have a look at the characteristics, just for general interest. To be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, a person must exhibit five of the following nine behaviours. They exaggerate their achievements in the hope of receiving praise from other people. They are preoccupied with fantasies of limitless success, love, and brilliance. They believe they are special and should only associate with other special people. They need to be admired. They feel entitled and believe their needs should always be met. They take advantage of and exploit others. They lack empathy for other people. They are jealous of others and believe that others are jealous of them. They are arrogant and display self-important, condescending behaviors. And that's Narcissistic Personality Disorder in a Minute. For other diagnoses, please visit drbenmichaelis.com.